0: It's only a town of about 14,000 people. Not much of a going concern, many would think. Well, at least not when compared to the other cities along the Mississippi River St. Louis, Memphis, New Orleans. But the history of the lower Mississippi Valley, if not the entire United States, might have been completely different had this small city never been. Built upon a line of bluffs on the left bank of the Mississippi River. Archaeological evidence shows that the site has been used as a burial ground going back to the Archaic period, three to four thousand years BCE. The first men to settle on the bluffs were 1,400 years ago, when the Plaquemine culture—that's a division of the larger Mississippian civilization—they established a village on the site with large ceremonial platform mounds, and they inhabited the bluffs until the epidemics brought by European explorers depleted their numbers and dispersed them through the region in the late 15th and early 16th centuries. By the late 1600s, the Nauchi tribe, they were descendants of the Plaquemine, had returned to the site and they established a trade center used by the natives of the region. European explorers Hernando de Soto, Sir de La Salle, and Jean-Baptiste de Bainville made contact with the Naughty at the site, and on their charts and in their journals, they noted it as the Grand Village of the Nauchi. Most of what we know about this tribe comes from French historian and explorer Antoine Simon Lepage du Prat, who learned their language, befriended their leaders, and established alliances between the Nauchi and the French Empire in Louisiana during the early years of the 18th century. In 1716, the French established a trading post at the great village and built Fort Rosalie to protect their interest among the Nazi. But disputes over land use and property rights emerged in 1729, and with the encouragement of English traders from across the Appalachian Mountains, the Nazi launched a war to force the French out of the area, killing or capturing more than 200 Frenchmen, women, and children. The French military, out of New Orleans, retaliated and over the next few years, they all but exterminated the Nazi, retaking the territory for the Bourbon dynasty. After the French and Indian War, France was forced out of North America and the British took possession of the site. During the American Revolution, the Spanish, out of New Orleans, took the site away from the British. Now, After the war, the U.S. and Spain disputed ownership over the territory until a resolution in 1795 with the Treaty of San Lorenzo gave the United States possession of the territory and in 1798, the site became the first territorial capital of Mississippi. In the years prior to the invention of the steamboat, the village played an important role in the transportation of goods on the lower Mississippi frontier. Using a woodland buffalo trail, which ran from the Cumberland River Valley, near what is today Nashville, natives and the French moved goods from the Ohio River Valley to the Mississippi Delta. Americans took advantage of this trail also. After rafting their agricultural goods down the Ohio and Mississippi Rivers to New Orleans, instead of taking a keel boat or canoe back north, they would travel by land to their homes in Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, using the old Buffalo Trail, or in the parlance of the day, a trace, cutting many days and hundreds of miles off of their return home. When steamboats began to navigate the Big River, the village became the busiest economic center in Riverport, from which the cotton of the Mississippi Delta was shipped to textile mills around the world. Another economic activity that brought wealth to the town was the slave trade, both legal and illicit, which was finally ended when the Union Army occupied the town during the Civil War in 1863. There was very little fighting during the Civil War around the town, and because of that, today visitors come from all over the world to see one of the largest collections of intact antebellum architecture in the United States. After the Civil War, the Riverport made a rapid economic comeback with an influx of money from the north The cotton and lumber industries rapidly rebounded, sending their resources upstream by steamboats, and in return, manufactured goods from the industrial north came south, making this river port one of the largest centers of trade between New Orleans and Memphis. The prominence of this river port is reflected in the fact that nine steamboats had been named after the town between 1823 and 1918. Today, its name brings on visions of the Old South and a rich, storied history. With less than 14,000 citizens, it's a wonder its name is so well-known, not only in the United States, but around the globe. And the name? Well, it's a French corruption of Nochi, the name of the original inhabitants. It's the city that we call Natchez. This is episode 41.
1: Welcome to the Brews Traveler, exploring the craft beer scene across North America, one craft brewery at a time. And now here's your host, the man who gets more MPP, that's miles per pint, than anybody, Alan Tatman.
0: Thank you, Jessica, and hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brews Traveler. Thanks for finding us out here in the podcasting universe. I am Alan Tatman and I'll be your host here for just about the next hour. And this week we're going to visit one of the most storied small cities in America, Natchez, Mississippi. And we'll find out how a young lady from Plymouth, England, and a U.S. Marine assigned a security to Marine One. That's the President's helicopter, I hope you know. Well, how did these two come together and make a brewery? You're going to get to meet Lisa and Patrick Miller, founders and owners of the Natchez Brewing Company. Also, Tony and I sat down at the bar at Mid-Missouri's premier Irish pub, and we discussed a growing trend in the craft beer universe, that is, craft beer tourism. But first, if you're not a follower over on either Instagram or Facebook or both, you should be. We've got a building community of craft beer lovers following us over there, and you need to be a part of that. Another reason you need to be over there is I post trivia or questions, and if you pay attention to the podcast, just like you are doing right now, you might win something. Not sure what you might win, but it'll be something. There was no winner last week because the instructions said they had to message me. Not just uh, put a comment below the post. You had to message me through either Instagram or Facebook with the correct answer, but nobody messaged me and so nobody won. The question on the Instagram and Facebook post was, who was the subject of episode 40's nugget at the end of the show? Now, if you're not aware of this, at the end of every show, after the credits and after the closing song or tune from Gaelic Storm, there's a nugget That's a quote or a piece of prose from someone who is in some way or another part of the culture or history of the locale featured in that week's episode. And episode 40, of course, was about Pedicolis Brewing Company, and the nugget came from Davy Crockett, frontiersman, U.S. congressman, and Texas folk hero who once wrote, I told the people of my district that I would serve them as faithfully as I had done and since they have chosen a man with a timber toe to succeed me, they may all go to hell. I will go to Texas. And I'll post another question this week on Facebook or Instagram and we'll offer another prize. So, you should follow us over there. And please, if you haven't, go to Apple Podcasts and I also known as iTunes, give us a review, a 5-star rating. Uh, if you haven't done that already and tell your friends about the Bruce traveler thank you very much i appreciate the support and now let's head on down the mighty mississippi to the oldest city on that river natchez mississippi and here it is your interview of the week hey everybody we're here in natchez mississippi on the bluffs overlooking the mississippi river and I am pleased to sit down with Patrick and Lisa Miller, the owners, founders of Natchez Brewing Company. Hey, thanks, what's guys. happening? Thanks, guys. How are you? I, uh, I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks for taking some time. I know it's Friday. Fridays are hectic. Whether you're in the brewing business or the te- a bar business, the Fridays are always nuts. Yeah, so absolutely. thanks again for taking absolutely. some time. This, is this the first production brewery back in Natchez since Pro, Prohibition? It is. I'm, yeah. not,
2: I'm not sure they've ever had a
0: brewery. Really?
2: Yeah. I'm not sure there's ever a brewery in Mississippi. I don't no, know. know.
0: I have never, never Well I I remember I were Leslie know. and Leslie and Mark Henderson down at Lazy Magnolia. Yeah. We carry their beer at Patty Mullins and Jeff City on occasion. We'll run a keg here and there. And they were like one of the first production breweries the first. In, oh, Missis- the first, in Mississippi. In yeah. yeah. you know, with after prohibition. Yeah. But there had to have been I mean people drink beer every day. There had to have been some breweries. I, I, you would, I would guess there was, but I don't think I've ever heard of one. They might have been illicit. Yeah, you
2: know, you had, you that's just, pretty common yeah, in the yeah, south. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, how long have you guys been here now? So, well, we've been in business since
1: 2015. And then, no, I'm sorry, 2014. 2014.
0: So
2: you've been here five years
0: now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. We're,
2: this building is somewhat new to us. Feels like yeah. we just moved in here, but we
1: got into this building in 2017. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. All right. I I meet a lot of couples that are involved in the brewing business the beer business Um, but you guys have a really interesting story tell us how you met go ahead Lisa
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay so we met back in 1998 when the internet was still brand new (laughs) and uh, I was in England um, on the computer and Pat was in Washington, D.C. on his computer, and we met in like a, on a chat type right. thing, and uh, so we ended up kind of dating long distance, we visited, and then um, I guess kind of lost touch, and that was, and then I ended up moving to the States in 2001, we didn't know, we didn't know each other at that time, well we knew each other, we weren't in communication with each other at <laughs> that time. And then in 2010 he found me on Facebook, and you, uh, you, you know cause you can find anyone on Facebook these yep. days. I <laughs> yeah.
0: met
2: when we were really young. I was in the Marine Corps, and, and then you know and fast forward a bunch of years, and then
1: he was living just in Asheville, North Carolina at the time.
0: Right. Um, were you brewing there at that time?
2: No, I was working in the uh, Smoky Mountains the National Park, mm. but I was home brewing, but not okay. so uh, not professional,
0: not production. Yeah. No.
2: And uh, that's where I was really exposed to um, craft beer. I'd had a little bit when I lived in Virginia as I was leaving, but I it was, the brewery was uh, a brew pub and it was Old Dominion. Okay. Um, and that was really it until I moved to North Carolina and then it, just, you know, it was
0: flourishing there. Right. In Nashville area. Oh, um, yeah. It's, it's one of the meccas on the East Coast. Yeah. And, it's, and I think it's going to continue to grow. Didn't, you, I don't know if you mentioned this when we were talking, but you're from you're from Plymouth, Plymouth England, which is in yeah. Devonshire, right? In Devon, yeah. Right, right. And then now, uh, Patrick, you're a native of Natchez. I am. Yep. Yeah. The, the last time I was here in this city was when I was in college. They were filming uh, North and South Part <laughs> Two. When I was at North, I was at a small university in uh, Northwest Missouri, and the Civil War reenactors. Yeah. I got in with them and we came down for two weeks for the filming of that. <laughs> and I don't remember a whole lot about it because it was pretty much sauced the entire time. <laughs> you know? That's a long time ago. That, that was, was a long time ago. I'm, I'm old. My teeth are very long. But uh, <laughs> but no, uh, this is one of the richest histories uh, of any city. I, I'm from Hannibal, Missouri, originally. So that town has a rich history of course because of Mark 20. But Natchez uh, this this place it's really really old and rich. I mean, it goes back to even the Native Americans. This was a trade route for yeah. them. This was a crossroads. Yep. And then, of course, when the Ohio River and the Mississippi, the flatboats coming down, they'd use the Trace to get back up into Kentucky.
2: So it's a very interesting city. A lot of a lot has happened here. Right. Yeah. I mean, we just had our. I say we just time flies, but we got our, our 300 year Tricentennial birthday. It's
1: like three years ago now, I think. Yeah, yeah, three years
2: ago. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Older than three hundred. Things, because the oldest itself. oldest
2: city on the Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. they tell us? I mean, what
0: year was the tricentennial? Uh, so
1: I think
0: 2016. Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, Kitty, you're, that's yeah. your that's your mouse. Yeah, that's our. Okay. Yeah. She's still in training though. Yeah. Now. yeah. yeah. <laughs> she'll she'll learn. <laughs> yeah. how did you two get involved in craft beer?
2: I mean, so I mean also. I'm uh, living in North Carolina, in the Asheville area, was drinking craft beer, visited several of the breweries, um, when Lisa moved there, I
1: had um, no idea about craft beer, yeah, her first exposure <laughs> was North Carolina,
2: um, it, r- really, we moved back here, and, uh, you know, I've told the story many times, we really just missed one craft beer, this was 2012, yeah, 2012 Mississippi had Lazy Magnolia, and I believe Lucky Town Brewing, which was in Jackson, had, um, was doing a Kickstarter, right. so there wasn't a lot of craft beer to be found right. here. Um, so we missed it, and we wanted to. We, we decided that's just what we wanted to do. We wanted to open up a, a brewery. Well, we knew
1: we wanted to open a business. We yeah. just wasn't sure what it was going to be at the time. Right. And then after realizing the lack of craft beer and and how it really was movement at the time, you know, elsewhere. There's decided, an opening. Yeah, we decided. What, you know, why not?
0: Yeah. And- Why not? not? (laughs) You've got a you've got a cool atmosphere here in your tap room. Your brew house is right here. There's nothing separating the tap room from the brew house, so your your customers can come in and you know, like was one of the if if it's inside, it must be right. And it's it's really cool. It's really you're in the middle of it, right? I mean,
2: almost. Uh, It's um,
0: so. Now, do you guys ever? Have production going on while people are here drinking beer? It, well, yeah, it happens yeah. normally
2: during the week on right. Wednesdays and Thursdays. Right, uh, that has happened many times, right. and it's normally towards the end of a brew day. Right, you know we're finishing up a boil and just finished the process. But that yeah, is Thursday absolutely.
1: are usually a double brew day, and so you normally gets done around like seven thirty, eight o'clock. Yeah, so the so been open. The court, so.
0: great. Yeah, so. How, how many uh, barrels is the brew house?
2: So, our brew house is technically a 15 barrel, though we squeeze in about 17 barrels. Okay. Um, fermentation tanks are, um, are 30s, but also we're getting in about 34 barrels. Okay. So, um, we, we try to brew, if everything's going as planned, twice a week uh-huh. and uh, double brew. Right. No and then um, package
0: twice a week. Right. Okay. So, packaging, where's your distribution?
2: So, we're currently distributed throughout Mississippi and Louisiana, mm-hmm. and we just got uh, state approval for uh, Texas. Fantastic. And we should be, we've signed with um, for distribution into Dallas, and we're, that we're hoping that's gonna be approved or be done in the next couple of weeks. We're waiting on label approval.
0: Good luck. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, exciting. What was the uh, production last year? Oh, but, about
1: 1,000.
2: Yeah, so we're okay. still pretty small. Mississippi is a very small beer market. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's I mean, very very small. Lazy
0: Magnolia, we we sell them in Missouri, but I was I was amazed they only did twelve thousand barrels of beer, yeah. and they're number one in the state. Yeah, it is. So getting, it's still growing.
2: It's getting very very. I mean, well, I mean. Well, that said.
0: It's getting we've
1: tough got though a Couple for, that are closing. So it, it's just a tough state all around. For what do you what, what do
0: you think? Why do you think that is? People just not familiar with craft beer, or I think it has
2: a lot of things. I think so, so I think it's some of um, yeah, it's just Mississippi is a very rural state, right. so you don't have a lot of like big cities where there's big populace right. that are people are hanging out. You know, I mean, we're not Birmingham, we're not Dallas, right. we're not New Orleans, we're not Baton Rouge. We don't have. I mean, we have Jackson, right? And it, and that's about. You know as biggest as we have so we don't have a lot of um, highly high density areas where you know where people are really into that kind of movement
0: so distribution and spread of distribution is kind of like it's it's do that or die but or be a brew pub or be a, be a brew pub. yeah and yeah.
2: distribution outside your state is not the best model I mean for right. a production brewery your best is you know the best you can do is to sell interstate
1: especially now yeah so, craft so breweries. Many craft breweries. Right. your best bet is to stay
2: regional
0: like going into Louisiana what's the nearest big city to the west bigger town Monroe uh, I guess
2: Monroe would be uh, the next I don't know I mean our our bigger markets is really um for us in Louisiana is, is Baton Rouge and
0: yeah yeah it's bigger Rouge, for us yeah.
2: bigger than New Orleans
0: yeah yeah well you got a college town there yeah you know I mean one of the biggest college towns in the SEC yeah. and uh but so yeah, I can see where that would that would be a, yeah. a, a, a fit. You know. Yeah, it does really well. Here in the tap room, how many handles do you normally run on the, on the, in it, the tap room? I
2: mean, we have 12 set up, one nitro. Um, we try to keep them full, right. and it really depends on. I mean, right now we're just getting back, coming out of winter. Right. So during winter, beer sales get really kind of slow down. Um, so probably about hopefully. Mid spring we'll have it all full again, but you know we'll go through right. ups and downs depending on. We Sometimes try to keep them all. We'll
1: have a blowout weekend in the tap room, and they'll just drink us dry, you know. <laughs> so is basically we, we have to try and keep up with that. Keep up with, keep up with yeah. that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, not at all.
2: And like most breweries, the tap room is where we make, you know, that's where we make a lot of money. Right. Just direct money right. right to the brewery, and that's what really supports the brewery. Supports a lot of other things, you know.
0: I'm drinking here your Capital IPA. This is a hazy style, yeah, and it's juicy, dry hop. Do you know what what hops are you? Do you so have it's
2: it dry hopped with a Mosaic and El Dorado, a little bit of Columbus in it, um, and that's that's really fresh. It's really really green. Probably, I, we, I find that green, yeah. we find that beer needs a good two weeks to kind of.
0: So you think this is a little green right now?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. It needs a good two weeks to kind of just come together. All
0: the flavors meld. Yeah still that's pretty like it's, it's i had good. one earlier today it's refreshing yeah. i mean it, it really is it's a good uh, beer yeah a lot of times when you get an ipa especially uh, one that has a large different variety hops and dry hopped, yeah you get nothing in the, the flavor except that explosion right. of citrus or you know uh, pine needles yeah. or whatever right And this one no you're still getting some of the sweetness of the malt and uh the hazy character of it, the body of the beer is really nice yeah it's a good beer thank you yeah what so what's your number one seller
2: Uh, you know what uh it depends on where you're at and with our distribution stuff so in here natchez our blonde is our best seller um other parts of state the altar state okay other parts of the state
0: that's your that's like a marzen style Uh, a a german German style alt beer beer. i'm sorry yeah fantastic beer yeah I'll have to try a little bit of that, um,
2: too. Capital's our best in uh, Louisiana. Um, our sours do well, really well everywhere, especially the fruit of sours, uh, the fruit of kettle sours. Right. So right now we have a strawberry. Uh, Southern Grace is our Berliner Weiss. Uh, Bishop Dunn up there is a um, – we've been doing small batches of it. We're, come Monday, we're brewing a, a large production batch, Great, but
0: that's a grapefruit IPA. Grapefruit IPA. And you got a strawberry kettle sour. Yep.
2: Strawberry then strawberry push, push up, up
0: milkshake IPA. Nice. Double. This is this kind of the lineup that you have for, all for the for time. For this time of year. For this time yeah, of year.
2: It it changes.
1: And so
0: I would guess in the fall you're gonna start going to more darker, yeah. heavier beers. Yeah, so you'll
2: have we actually have two we have bottles left in the cooler. We have a, a coffee porter and a, a s'mores pastry stout.
0: Ooh.
2: And both of those are very are fantastic beers. We're just totally out on draft. Mississippi only allows to sell Ten percent of what we produce in a tap room, so ah, we run we can run out fairly quickly here right. of beer.
3: Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. And it's like, well, good. Mississippi, we've only just right, last,
0: right. You know, you, what it? you couldn't have a you tap You couldn't have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Couldn't yeah. Have a tap room. Yeah, You know, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so our year round is a Bluff City Off State uh, Capital IPA. Those are year round okay. core brands, and then we rotate um, a fruited uh, kettle sour and a fruited right IPA. Those change. And then um, we'll throw in um, some limited or special release stuff you know, every couple of months. So we just brewed a Mexican lager.
0: Star Wars Day is coming up. May the 4th be with you. I see you have uh, live music, games. What, does yeah. that kind of a, become a, well, an annual tradition here? Well,
2: we're, we're Cinco de Mayo. So we're, you know, we're doing Cinco and uh, Star Wars all in one, one, one week, go, right? Yeah, gotta one have got to have it all in one right. day.
1: Natchez is putting on a color run. So 5K that day. Oh, so cool! They do the packet pick up here the day before, and then hopefully all the runners will will make their way over here. After. Be a
2: good weekend. Yeah, I'm excited. It'll be our first time to for a production lager. I mean, we've we've done some um, three barrel 100 gallon batches of it for right. tap pilsners right. and a few other things, and they've been great. So this is the first large batch, so I'm really excited
0: about it. So. Did you go anywhere to study, or did no. you self-taught?
2: Self-taught, homebrew, and the internet, and a lot of really good people in the brewing industry. That there you go. Pass down knowledge and help.
0: There you go. That's that. That always helps, and I, 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 that leads me to another question. I mean, art, were you surprised getting into this business how helpful everybody was in it?
2: Yeah, and I still am.
0: I, 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 yeah. It amazes me too. I was in I was in the commodity chemical business a long, long time ago. And everybody there was just so cutthroat. Nobody would talk to anybody about yeah. anything. And like I said, it, it just like, after three years I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to live in this environment. No. But once I got involved with the bar and I met the craft brewers and 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 you know yeah, they're, it just amazed me. Now, like, no, I you, mean
2: for most of us, it's a it is a family. I mean we, you yeah. know we are, we are a competition, but we also want to see each other do really well succeed Mm -hmm.
0: did you did you have any either of you have any background in uh, biological sciences or anything that was this uh, that's that's amazing yeah that's you know it's a but just a path
1: his brain amazes me Uh like he can literally read something or watch something and make something and make it happen right yeah it's like i mean he put this whole place together
0: Mechanically inclined. What'd yeah. you do? What'd you do in the Marine Force? Uh, Marine Corps.
2: I was a uh, military police, but okay. I did um, security for Marine Corps. That's One. right.
0: I, I yeah. Re- I, yeah, I remember reading that on the website. So uh, that's that's, pretty, that's a pretty that's pretty important job. Really yeah, it was.
2: I mean, it was. I mean, it was interesting job. Mainly because we had to travel a lot.
0: Right. You know? Right.
2: Where the president went, helicopters went. Therefore, we went. So.
0: What, a, what's, what might be something else that when you got into this business that uh, you found unusual or surprised you? I mean,
2: I, look, be honest with you, when it comes to craft beer, it, it's, it's constantly changing. And if, right. if you're not paying attention, you can get passed up. So it's always learning, which I okay. like to learn new stuff. I like okay. to change things. So we're always changing. We're always learning. And I mean, this is really surprising. There's nothing steady in this industry. You can't you know? sit still for a minute. No, I mean, you cannot. There's no what was bad last year is good this year. Right. What you, worked one week doesn't work anymore. And it's,
0: you got to keep up on top of oh, that, It's crazy. You know? Um, so, I mean, and th- I think these places that you see closing down, uh, a lot of them, they got, they had like four beers and they had one beer that they really were counting on that yeah. beer. And then that styles kind of things are changing. Definitely. And, it's yeah.
2: hard for breweries who don't try to adapt. It's also, I mean, production breweries, a production brewery takes a lot of money on the day-to-day. I mean, it's just non-stop cash flow. Right. You know, it's there's a lot of aspects of a brewery that can easily make it close down. Right. I mean, it's just a very, very difficult business.
0: Well, and especially when you're kind of starting up. I mean, bars is the same way. Yeah. I mean, when you're starting up, you're re- you're 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 trying to build your business. You're trying to build your clientele. You're working on very narrow margins, and you know it takes a long time. Yeah. To get to get that ball really rolling in the right direction yep and i anybody that's ever started up their own business you know you you know what we're talking about it's just it's it's yeah i mean when i started out the bar i was robbing peter to pay paul every day you know (laughs) i mean and it wasn't until i was there about four years that i finally was like i can breathe yeah Yeah, no i mean it's very
2: true i mean it takes time for I guess a lot of it is um, if you can start with money, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have a better chance of doing really well right out of the gate. But that's not necessarily true. No, I mean, it could Poor backfire. Management. Yeah. Poor management. Um, Beer is just not hitting the mark. Um, but I also think opening a brewery in the right location, not necessarily the right part of town, but in the right town, in the right state, right. at the right time. Right. It all has to be. It all has to work perfect.
0: You know. I, I would say this too. I'd rather have somebody that has. Drive abilities, and not as much money than to have a whole bunch of money and not have anybody with talent. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I would what, might have a little bit of money too, though. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to have more money. <laughs> what challenges do you see coming down the road? We we kind of hit on it there just a little bit, but I mean, uh, I mean, for a production brewery,
2: shelf space is very limited. Distributors can be very difficult. Right. Um, it's uh, uh, the next five to ten years, it's gonna be extremely difficult for crap. to get out in the market. Just to to make things shake and make it work, um, I would not want to be any bigger than we are, our system wise. I, it would scare me to death if we were any bigger. If I would, we had to go out
1: even further than what we're doing. Yeah, right now. and
2: that's not a that's not good. I mean, you'll see like uh, on social media a lot of the breweries that are really crushing it and are. You know, ones that I follow and they, they, you know, they do really well and get a lot of attention. They're really small production breweries. I right. mean, they're really small and very nimble, and they can do change up. When you get too big, you can't change. You can't be nimble.
0: I love talking to the smaller brewers, and here's why: is that first off, you you can call the big guys. They've got a social media guy, or a media <laughs> guy, or a PR guy, and that's who you talk to. What I love about talking to the smaller breweries. Is that I get to talk to the owners? Yeah, we do, we do it all. We do it all. Right, right. It's <laughs> a small yeah, operation, you know, sure. And and and, and that, that's special. Yeah. You know. Is Natchez got something coming down the river that uh, everybody might want to know about?
2: We're getting ready that time of year. We have a lot of things. We have our uh, food wine festival in July, which is a weekend of just drinking and partying, really. Here in Natchez. Uh huh. Um, October is always a great weekend. We have uh, balloon our balloon races. That's another. That's the weekend. Hot air balloons. Hot
1: yeah. air balloons.
0: Yeah. What, or do they launch over across on the bluff. river? Bluff. No, oh, on here. the bluff. Wow.
1: Right in front of Rosalie. Wow. Well, while well, they different places throughout the town, they have like races and stuff, but yeah. um, they'll do a balloon blow. Yeah. On right in front of
0: Rosalie be tight yeah yeah
2: it's a lot it's just that's a good weekend we have and then uh, we got, uh, the bishop, bishop gun
1: crawfish boil in may in a couple of weeks may 11th right which is what we're doing the, okay. the grapefruit ipa for all right that's
0: well a, tell me about the bishop gun crawfish boil real so quick bishop okay.
2: gun is uh one of it's one of our local bands it's kind of really up and coming doing okay really, i don't know i don't know how they fall in the, the, the music industry but they're doing i think probably really well what kind
0: know? what kind of music
1: Southern
2: Rock. Yeah,
0: Southern Rock. Oh, Roo. really?
2: Yeah, really. I mean, very good. Very good. Last year they decided. I mean, they're they're really about investing in the town. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to get Natchez, you know, known and just trying to bring more to the town. Right. So last year they set up a music concert, a concert out, you know, and um, part of that it was a crawfish boil, yeah. and uh, it drew in a couple thousand people to about it. About
1: three thousand yeah.
2: people. So yeah. So this year they're doing it again.
1: They're expecting double.
2: They have an amazing uh, music lineup for it. We're releasing the Bishop Gun, uh, Grapefruit IPA for it. So,
0: well, I want to make sure to take uh, a bottle of that s'mores, yeah. And uh, I'll I'll grab some of those before I get out of here. Also, I need to get got to get a sticker for the RV. (laughs) But. Patrick and Lisa, thank you awesome. so much for sitting down and talking with me. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, thank you.
2: Cheers. Yeah, it looks like our uh, the rain is went away too. Yeah, let's hope
0: business. so. I see blue skies yeah. smiling on me. Check this Thanks, guys. Absolutely. And that's it. Thanks again to Lisa and Patrick. Uh, really appreciated them taking some time out of a very, very busy day for them to sit down with me. And uh, I did a little follow-up research, and I do mean very little. Uh, I did a Google search Uh, trying to find out if there had been any legal breweries in the state of Mississippi, and I did not. But if any of you out there that are listening know of such a thing, please let me know. Message me over on Instagram or Facebook, uh, because I I like to know things. That's just the kind of guy I am. Natchez will be a return stop for brew-lissies. I can promise you that. Beautiful city. Uh, I would like to go back and spend an entire day just exploring what it has to offer. And then uh, finish off the uh, afternoon and evening with some delicious brews at Natchez Brewing Company and another visit with Lisa and Patrick. And also I need to give a shout out to Scott McCoy, the taproom manager who took such good care of us while Marilee, Cody, and I were there. Natchez Brewing Company is located at 207 High Street on the bluff above the river in Natchez, Mississippi. Tap room hours are Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. And Thursday is pub quiz nights. That's when I'm going back. Weekend hours are Saturday, 12 noon to 9 p.m. And Sundays, 12 noon to 6 p.m. And Natchez Brewing is very dog-friendly. Cody says thank you. Tours are available on Fridays and Saturdays, but you need to make a reservation, so... And if you're going to be in Natchez on May 11th, you don't want to miss the Bishop Gunn crawfish boil and concerts. You can always see what's going on at Natchez Brewing by following them over on Facebook at Natchez Brew or you can check out their website natchezbrew.com. Hey da ha! da 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 ya. Ha hey. Cardi on scale of What's the
1: rumpus? Now it's time for What's the Rumpus with Tony. What's going on in the world of craft
0: brewing? Well, folks, it's What's the Rumpus with freelance journalist Tony Rehagan, recorded live before a studio audience at Patty Malone's Irish Pub in Jefferson City. Hey, Tony. How's it going? How are you doing? Good to have you here, man. Yeah, good to be here. It's a Saturday afternoon. We had uh, some live uh, traditional Irish music going on. We've got some really good craft beer here. Uh, you're drinking Mother's Chug Suckle. Chug Suckle, Sunshine Chug Suckle, their so New England style IPA, which we have on draft. And I'm enjoying a Brooklyn Brewing Bel Air Sour in the can. We don't have it on draft, but uh, so here, Slancho. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I drink about. And six somebody more. said, I, I somebody said. Well, I always hear you saying on the podcast, they, they say, Cheers, cilantro. What's cilantro? Cilantro is health in Irish, and it's the traditional toast. And I've owned an Irish pub now for 19 years, so I just automatically say cilantro. All right. To so, Tony, what do you got for us this week?
3: Well, something that uh, I know that you know a lot about mm-hmm. and that, that we both kind of are passionate at the, at the heart of the podcast. It's uh, what they call beer cations, beer tourism, and its effects, uh, this economic impact in the united states because it's it's kind of interesting more than 10 million people visit craft breweries every year um and it's become a huge attraction it's not just something people do on the sides anymore i know uh it's something that people like make trips to do to kind of try the beer from from different areas and i know that's that's at the heart of what you decided to do
0: one of our followers on the podcast a fellow down in uh, texas named jd he's the uh, texas beer dude unfortunately when we were down in san antonio he was on a trip up to the Northwest Pacific Coast on a beer tourism trip while we were in Texas. Nice. So Yeah.
3: Yeah. No. Totally. I mean, it, what's cool about it is like it, it's it's a throwback, really, uh, which is what's kind of cool about craft beer, I think is that it kind of dates back to, like, the regionalism of pre-prohibition breweries. Right. Whereas, basically, where you'd go is where you drink the local beer. Like, if you were in a tavern or in a hotel, you drink the house beer, or the beer that was made down the block. Right. Um, before Prohibition came, and then knocked out all those small brewers, and when they repealed Prohibition, all the big guys were there, and you just get Budweiser everywhere, just like, you know, McDonald's and everything else.
0: You know, right after Prohibition was over, at the end of uh, World War II, you know, the mass consumerism, uh, national networks on radio and then television. I mean it just gave the big guys such an unfair advantage against small local regional breweries. Totally. And I mean and, and that hasn't that hasn't really changed. It's just that now I see all these entrepreneurs out there taking a chance, you know yeah.
3: Well, what's cool is like, because you see it like in, in every city, you see where there's all these breweries, and like you're like, how can they sustain this saturation? Like, how can you sustain all these different businesses? And really, when it comes to the tourism, it's a positive. Right. You have so many in a certain area, obviously, because you don't want to be driving everywhere. Right. Else over Long distances, like bourbon trails down in Kentucky, that's always a problem. Like, it's all right there. It's all in a certain city. So it kind of twi- it puts the saturation problem on its head. Um, and these places are investing in their tap rooms, and they're investing in their brewery tours. They become kind of part of beer trails and attractions. You see, the, the rise in flights, and we talked about that in one right. segment. Fast flights are a good way to kind of like sample all the beers and kind of keep going all day. It's a way to kind of protect yourself if you get smashed and you know doing, <laughs> doing it that way. But you know, uh, the, the brewers association talks about it. Um, basically saying that the average craft beer drinker visits about three and a half breweries near their homes and two and a half breweries within two hours driving distance. So, I mean, it's even kind of a local thing. Like, you go to the neighboring town. It's really a throwback in that regard. Right. Just one of the few things where it's really kind of local and it's still still vibrant, no matter kind of where you're traveling. Um, So much so that, like, Travelocity, the the travel website where you book travel, it started its own travel index. Uh, You know, it it kind of uh, rates locations. Yeah. And so you can go on there and erase locations uh, by different kind of, uh, you know, different criteria such as like ride share services, the accessibility via air airline, uh, the average cost of lodging, um, you know, and it talks about, the, you know, large and small metros in order to do that. Um, you have places like we've talked about before too, like uh, overnight stays like at, at uh, Dogfish Head, at Brew Dog in Ohio, and Rogue Brewing in Oregon, they have a bed and breakfast kind of facilitating that idea that people are going to come as a destination it's not just something they're doing on the side this is why they're coming they're coming to taste the beer Um, and there are touring companies i know that you you do this as well uh you know there are touring companies that arrange beer centric trips with like drivers private brewery tours private tastings to really give kinds of inside inside looks at these booths and it's all over the world now like people are going to ireland people are going to belgium people are going to
0: japan looking for specific beer trips right what you talked about travelocity know, is there are there any apps that are useful in uh, in this pursuit? Other,
3: I mean, a lot of the beer apps kind of have gotten into this. I know uh-huh. that uh, Untapped has kind of got into this. Uh, there are some other the Brewers Association. If you go to that, I mean, they're not instantaneous apps. But they, they do, you go to the websites of these, these beer apps that you have, um, they have an a outlet for, like, here's where you can kind of go, here's where you can kind of stay, here is, like, all the breweries in a certain area. That's what's awesome about Untapped is, like, if you, uh, if you download that, when you're in a town, that's the first thing I do when I land is I'm, like, here's not only the, the verified outlets around you, but here's the hot beers that are trending in your city. So, like, you go to Columbus, Ohio, you're going to see this beer is trending, and then you click on that beer, and it'll show you where to find it, package and draft. So it's really like a one-stop shop they're they're, they're helping you find it and what's cool about that is it helps that those businesses bottom line not only does it bring tourism dollars to the municipalities and the states and everything but like about seven percent of craft beer on sales on site uh, and that's the beer tourism and that's you know breweries that capitalize on that because they don't have to split that revenue with distributors and retailers. Right. They're getting it straight out the door. Um, like and you know and you see this all the time that they'll be hosting beer festivals and like special release events where they're releasing like their imperial stouts. Like I don't you know Three Floyd's Dark Lord Days is an old uh, good one in the Chicago uh, metro area um, where you know people come and they drive RVs to stay there overnight to get this beer release um, and they buy it directly from the from the from the location. I also did a story about uh, the Yakima Valley uh, in Washington that is a hop farm. It's been a hop farm since, you know, the 1920s. And they've opened a brew pub, and it's all about the story of the brewery to sell that story, to get people to come here. This is a destination here in the valley. It's just like the wineries in California.
0: Well, I think, see, that's kind of what I was after when I started this whole project, is to give people that like craft beer, like you and me, maybe give them an idea of places that they are not familiar with some you know and it, it's not you know we it's not just the big boys but I think some of the most interesting stories that we have been and when I say the big boys and craft beer I mean like dogfish Brooklyn Boulevard here in Nevada. right 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 I I think some of the most interesting stories that we have had on the Brews Traveler have been these small little breweries and you know, they're out there, they're, they're working hard every day. They might be robbing Peter to pay Paul, just to make sure the doors are open. But one of the things that I've seen about all of them is that, here's the one thing, and I really admire this about the, the, the Small crappers. they're taking care of their people. You know, they are, they're taking care of their people, they're making sure that everybody feel like they're useful, feel like they're appreciated. I'm coming from the bar and restaurant business, sure. and I will tell you this, I mean, there are a lot of bars and restaurants that try to nickel and dime their help to death. I mean, they just pay them as little as possible, and if somebody quits, well, we'll just get somebody else. One of the reasons that we don't have any turnover here at Patty Malone's is that we pay our people. And our full-time people, we help them get health care. You know, it's a community thing. And that's what, that's the one thing I love about the small craft breweries, is that it, it, it's a community thing yeah. and not only not only a community in between breweries but a community within the brewery itself yep. you know absolutely you know and every week at the end of the podcast i always say drink locally think globally take care of each other take care of the earth It's all we've got and one of the i see that that ethos is being practiced by these small brewers to the nines i mean they yeah. really they really have taken it to heart almost everybody that i talk to has taken that philosophy to heart so, yeah. And absolutely.
3: If you want to visit a place and you want to experience something, beer has become a great window into that. For the, for the very reasons you you intimated, not only in the taste of the product, but in the people. Like you go to these brew pubs, you right. go to these tap rooms, right. you go to these local beer bars. You're going to see the community that commune over these things. Right. You're going to not only taste where you are, but you're going to like see it as well. Right. So it's been a great it's been a great boon.
0: Well, you know, listeners out there, just keep this in mind. You know, anytime you're going to travel somewhere, find out. You know, don't just go to the. the I mean. Go to the big guys. Go to Revolution in Chicago, Ballast Point in San Diego. I mean, go to them. That's fine. But find out the little find out the little breweries. The guys that are really making good beer and they're they're putting their hearts into it. Find them in the places where you're going and stop in and say, you know, hi, we just come, we wanted to see your beer. You know, yep. wanted to taste your beer, wanted to experience your brewery so that's what I would tell everybody yep
3: and collect the stickers like that's the thing that's what you take home with you you kind of collect it and that's I mean it's a piece of piece of that place
0: yep well thanks Tony and uh what's your what have you got coming up in the next week
3: um I'm heading to Denver uh next week like the following week uh for a story and then I'm heading to probably heading to uh Dallas uh next month
0: good yep well, when you get down to Dallas, make sure you go to Pedicolas. Tell Chad, Chris, and Jordan I said hi. We'll do for sure. Tony Rehagan, yeah. freelance journalist. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. We all. really appreciate it. And, cheers. Cheers. We'll talk to you next time.
1: Been listening to the Bruised Traveler. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our website, thebruisedtraveler.com. Cheers!
0: And cheers to you, Jessica, and cheers to everyone out there. Thanks for listening, guys. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the bruise Traveler Podcast. Send me a message if you've got a question, suggestion, or idea. Please let me know, or if you'd rather, just send me an email. Cheers at thebruisedtraveler.com. Please go over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating and a glowing review. If you haven't yet, it would mean so much. The soundtrack for The Bruised Traveler is so graciously provided by our friends Gaelic Storm. They're coming to Jefferson City. If you hadn't heard it before here, now you've heard it now. Keep listening. They're going to be here August 29th, and you can find out how to get your tickets in upcoming weeks. Probably next week I'll have tickets up for sale. You can check out what else is going on with Gaelic Storm over at the website GaelicStorm.com Marketing consultation is provided by Mission Digital Marketing So until next time, if I don't see you at the pub or a local tap room, I'll see you right here on the podcast. Drink locally, think globally take care of each other, take care of the earth it's everything we've got and Lee, as always you are the measure of my dreams I love you, honey. So thanks again for listening everyone and so long for just a while I was not leaving the South to forget the South, but so that someday I might understand it. Richard Nathaniel Wright, African American writer, author of the books Black Boy and Native Son. Born September 4, 1908, Rucker Plantation, Natchez, Mississippi. Died November 28, 1960, Paris, France.